Welcome to Roll with Adventure, a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast that transports you through the magic of imagination from our world to the far-off world of Ebrus, a land full of heroes and villains, the evil and the divine, monsters and miracles, and of course, magic. We are delighted to bring this adventure from our imagination to your ears. If you like what you hear, please subscribe for future episodes and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us in this podcast, please visit us at RollWithAdventure.com. And now, let's listen as our heroes roll with adventure. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Roll With Adventure's campaign of Shadows and Bliss. My name is Cass, and I am the Dungeon Master for this ragtag band of heroes. Today, our journey into this tale of adventure, intrigue, secrets, and magic across the world of Ibris continues. This episode continues during the late evening of Skalum, the second of Leonay, in the year 1083 PR, deep within the Darkling Forest, where our heroes have made camp within the ruins of a chapel once dedicated to the Green King, now used as a hideout possibly for the mad druid allied with the bandits. Now, before we dive right in, let's meet our band of heroes. To decide the order of introduction, let's roll player initiative, not character. And remember, here, we roll with adventure. So, how dexterous or not have each of you been this past week? Well, we have a kitchen faucet that's one of the ones that if you touch it, it turns on. If you touch it, it turns back off. And it turns out that that is not like a wired-in power thing. It's battery run. And our batteries died last week. So we got new batteries, and I was putting them in the thing under the sink, and everything was going really well despite the fact that it's a cramped space. And I did the whole thing without incident, and then as I was shutting the cupboard door, the sharp corner of the bottom of it whacked me in the ankle. And when I say it whacked me in the ankle, I, I mean I whacked myself in the ankle with it. So I'm just going to take a minus, minus one, because I didn't get injured under the sink while replacing the batteries, but definitely can't even shut a cupboard door. So there's that. I uh, was making pierogies for dinner tonight, and I managed to burn my wrist on the edge of the air fryer, which by itself is like, well, that was dumb. Then I was also making pretzel-wrapped hot dogs for lunches for the rest of the week, and after I finished the first batch, I went to put a new piece of tinfoil down on the pan and decided to just spread it flat with my hands like I do all the time, except I'd just oh. taken this pan out of the oven, so then I burned my hands again. So I should probably take a minus two for burning myself two times in a ten minutes. As part of the pierogi oeuvre, I was eating said pierogies and managed to get one jammed sort of between my teeth against the roof of my mouth, and then it split open and put hot, delicious pierogi filling against the roof of my mouth, and all my efforts to get the too hot, delicious pierogi filling away from the roof of my mouth just resulted in more pierogi filling spewing out onto the roof of my mouth, and to the point that I am currently speaking to you with a couple of pretty bad blisters on the roof of my mouth. So I'm also going to take a minus two. Uh, less because I think I was super undextrous, and more because I think the pain is going to make me stupid. Oh, They were danger pierogies. <laughs> Did they, they come good. with a warning? 
They did not, I should sue. Yeah. So, well, technically this happened last week. It happened close enough to session that I'm pretty sure I can carry it over, and I have nothing else to come to mind. But uh, I made myself some popcorn for movie night, and I managed to, at least five in a row, flick them from full uh, arm length away into my mouth. So I'm going to give myself a plus one for that. Wow. Well, let's see what you guys roll. Uh, a modified one. Oof. <laughs> I also rolled a nat one. I rolled a four, so I'm... I'm That's amazing. Bad. We all suck. <laughs> so I guess I will take a zero, because I had a minus one. So, yeah. Mine's a negative two. <laughs> Did I somehow get a one and I still get to go first? No, I got a four. This is just depressing. I really hope this isn't indicative of anything this uh, session. We're just, <laughs> we're just getting the nat ones out now. We're, we're getting them out now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is David, and I play Jovan, who is a human scholar. Um, briefly, while living in the city that he lived in previous to this, uh, Jovan kept bees. Uh, he was terrible at it, um, but kept at it for nearly full two years before giving up. Oh, you're done. Um, I am Brian. Uh, sorry, I'm. <laughs> Can you tell I was unprepared? I'm Brian uh, at Mind Over Brian on Twitter and on Twitch. Although on Twitch I spell it with a zero, and I am playing Melian Barebone, the changeling barbarian, who typically appears to be a bearded half-elven young man, about five eleven, two hundred fifteen pounds, with red hair, blue eyes. Most importantly, a scar running across his cheek from his upper lip and curving around to nick his right ear. And the form from whom Melian took this, uh, for, uh, this no, the person from whom Melian took this form, if that makes more sense, uh, is a, uh, a knight that Melian knew when he was a mercenary. Uh, and he's heard about 14 different variations of how this scar uh, was acquired. Uh, and he has added about um, twice that many again uh, for people who have asked, uh, ranging from I cut myself shaving to uh, took a pike to the face and somehow I'm still here. So he's the Joker. <laughs> no, I don't ask people if they want to know how I got my scars. They ask me how I got them. You're the lamer Joker. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm not anywhere near as cool as the Joker. My name's Allie. I'm playing Quarry Anna Kalafi, Bo Stukbase, a Goliath Paladin. And for a time after Quarry was exiled, they lived in a small village, which was really no more than a collection of huts. And they earned the trust of the villagers there after one night going out and hunting and then leaving a kill at each door for them to find in the morning. And for a time I earned my acceptance in that little village by sharing my hunting skills and letting the villagers sell the hides that I tanned. Uh, I don't want to interrupt or like take away from... Um... Ali's introduction, but I do think it's important. If you have not gone to the website to see how Anna Kalathi Bostukbase is spelled, uh, I encourage you to take a look, because I think you will find it very surprising. <laughs> I thought you were about to call me out for the fact that I started out saying, Kawari did this, and then ended up by being like, and I did this thing. Nope, it's all about seeing how that writing happened. I was like, <laughs> wow, this is not how I imagined it. Interesting. I now want people to be like, this is how I thought it was going to be spelled. And then I went and looked at the website, and here's how wrong I was. 
I mean, now I feel like I should go check the website and see how it's spelled. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm Sasha, and I play Faileth, the half-elven bard who was raised by and can speak to ghosts. Faileth's fun fact this week is that her favorite season is uh, summer, but specifically very late summer, like end of August, because it's not quite so hot, but all the really good foraging is is ready. She loves her some wild berries. Now that everyone has introduced themselves, let's get this adventure rolling. And remember, here we roll with adventure. I just want to say I feel much better about our chances for this week now. Yes. Was... But I also feel like Corey now needs to walk with the gait of John Wayne, and um, somebody <laughs> needs a hat that they can just kind of shove down over their eyes. Hidden within the darkling forest sits a forgotten and overgrown chapel of Owen, the two-faced king, lord of nature and the cycle of seasons. Its stonework and architecture of an unknown and ageless quality, with ruined murals depicting ancient events, their veracity as yet unknown to our party. It is within these hallowed halls, the cellar beneath and the tower above, that a man or woman has dwelt, one which the party assumes to be the druid referenced by, and to be working with the bandits. A man with glowing blue eyes, reminiscent of the tale told by the Lady Alicia, of the night Hector disappeared, and the force that controlled her husband, Lord Preston Buchanan. Now, our party has spoken of setting up a camp here, and maintaining a watch throughout the night in hopes of capturing the druid, to both question him and remove him from the playing field. So, everyone, where have you set up your camp within these ruins? What precautions are you taking? How long do you intend to make this rest? And who will be taking each watch? Alright, um, I imagine that, uh, I think I mentioned last session that Jovan was going out of his way to make sure that the evidence of them coming through as much as possible had been hidden. Nothing to be done about the second story room, but... On the other hand, if we go up there, make camp... In the uh, room? On, like, the third floor, and take the ladder up with us. I mean, he has a druid. I don't think it'll stop him, but... I'm a little bit leery about... It's a whole, like, fighting the wizard in his tower type deal. But we'll be fighting him from his tower. We'll be in the tower. He has to come to us. Fair enough, fair enough. If things go south, how do we escape? I'm a I suppose that... I murder him. That's how we escape. <laughs> I suppose that would not be a question that Melian would feel well. Uh, and Melian is racist against druids. <laughs> so he'd be fine with that. He's got absolutely no problem killing druids. Yeah. I true. dislike that you treat my reasonable suspicion and distrust of druids with such mirth. Faileth. Out of character, I'm really glad and... It, I, it just makes me really it makes me laugh that druids have become a race <laughs> I mean they're absolutely not but Faileth is <laughs> acting like they are is it, would it be classist against... <laughs> <laughs> professionalist I don't know I don't know why but the the thought of specifically druid racism is funny to me like it could be a religion thing but druids don't share a religion 
If it was a religion thing, that wouldn't be funny. That would be actual discrimination. That's halfway between what? Uh, Corey, you'd have yes. more experience with this than I. <clears throat> How would you go about apprehending a man who doesn't know that you're coming, that you're there? Well, I suppose we would uh, set a trap at the most likely entrance that they would use. Difficult if... to say. Is he going to fly in? Yes, that is the question. I personally am hoping that no one returns this evening and we can find our way to the stump again tomorrow morning without incident. But then we will need to murder... Well, not murder. We will need to battle the druids at the same time as the bandits. Be far more complicated and bloody. If he is there. Where else would he be? Doing druidy things in the forest? Feel like setting up uh, terrible flowers and making more monsters. Gardens. Indeed. Didn't we read notes last week that said he wasn't the one making the monsters, but he's worried about the monsters and he's trying to figure out what's happening? Uh, actually, yes. Um, uh, specifically that it, they weren't the work of his master and he had yet to identify their source. Mm -hmm. Yet they apparently had no trouble using them. Using what? Oh, the, the fire things were entirely separate, I believe. No, the flowers. It, it the wasn't flowers... the same flower that we fought at the... Uh, no, um, so the flower thing and the strange insectoid mammal oh, crossbreeds okay. are, are, seem to be from a separate source. Mm -hmm. The plants that have tried to murder us on two occasions and nearly succeeded have been entirely the work of this druid. Yeah, exactly. He's making monsters. How dare you confuse me with your talk of that. I didn't care about the insectoid thing. That thing I <laughs> murdered handily. It was the flowers that have left me with 20-some-odd hit points every time that Melian has a real problem with. And those are druid fodder. Thompson. Druids are not to be trusted. Now, now, Melian, not all druids are the same. Not all people are the same. Everyone is different. And yet we they all truck with the same. We have our unique qualities and our bad qualities. It's very open-minded of you, Faileth. I've known some good druids. Ha! Doubtful. <laughs> not to question your word, Paladin, but they all truck with the same kind of terrible magics. Perhaps you were fooled momentarily. But they would eventually reveal their true colors. Everyone is different. No two people are not on fire. I would like to take some time with some of the herbs that we've gathered and make us some healing potions in preparation for our fight with the bandits, if it comes ah, yes, to that. Ah, yes, the true motivation for us staying here. I knew there was a different reason that wasn't, let's, let's ambush this, this uh, druid. I just couldn't well, remember what it was. We could go back to the stump, but it's, I think, pretty late in the day, isn't it, Cass? Yes. Well, okay. listen, I have 23 hit points, so we go or stay, I need some either healing or rest. I'm thinking rest would be great. So it seems like the only plan on the table is to wait for him in his room. It would force him into a choke point. I don't 
Mm. I'm gonna see... Jovan's going to go up to the, the room. The, uh, the druid's room. And he's gonna put a rope out the window. Try to find something within the room to secure it to. And he's gonna pop outside. See what he sees. You're gonna hang yourself out the window? Uh, hang myself might not be the, <laughs> the best wording for it. But yeah, he's, he's gonna um, princess escape. Um, except use proper tools instead of braided bed sheets. So, in the room at the top of the tower, the thing to remember is that almost everything is just fitted stone together. The only thing up there that isn't is the, like, cot. Okay, the bed, well, the sleeping cot. Uh, is a ladder just resting against the wall? The cot that I didn't pee on, by the way. Yes, the one that Melian did not pee on. Very notably. Uh, the, the ladder. Thing you'll notice about it. So, David, imagine these are ladders that you can easily, like, pull up, put down... They're not built into the wall. They're wooden ladders. Okay. Are they, like, fairly sturdy wooden ladders? I imagine so yeah. if uh, Corey made her way up and down, or made their way up and down without problem. Yep. Okay. Um, they do seem to be pretty sturdy. That's no problem. Um, tie it to the wooden ladder and just turn the ladder onto its side so it doesn't fit through the hole. Okay. Yeah. Um, I uh, may ask for Corey to be up there as well, just to have a hand on the rope. As long as it won't cut into my healing potion brewing time. Cast? I think over the course of a rest. How many did I say you could do last session? I hope I wrote this down. I want to say three. Fairly, I thought it was, th I think it's three. Yeah. I'm imagining Quarry will probably ask to take the first watch so that they can continue brewing them sort of into the evening. Have Mel uh, Melian take the second, so you can pass along the potions when they're made. Yeah, it shouldn't cut too much in. Like you can get, you can give enough instructions to others to start prepping things for you. Okay. It, I mean, listen. I know this is a little meta, but what is Corey? What's your strength? Um, nineteen. Oh, then yeah, you should absolutely be up there. Okay. <laughs> Handling the rope. I only have a strength of fifteen. <laughs> okay. Quarry will happily go and help Yovan. And okay. is kind of curious because they haven't been up this far, looking forward to seeing what it is that you can see out of the windows. Night has fallen. Or is falling. As you make your way up the tower. Yovan ties it off to the ladder. And you turn the ladder to its side. Are you going to dangle it out the northern window or the southern window? Remind me what the view was from each. Are you going to look? Yeah, absolutely. So from the northern window, you see a sea of various colors. Green, brown, some bits of yellow, turning to orange and red and brown, as well as purple. And a sort of malaise or smog that hangs through the air and the forest, just barely catching the last rays of dusk. From the south, 
you can see the lights of Dwemer Hollow. You appear to be almost right across the river from Dockside. From a height that very clearly should be visible from the city of Dwemer Hollow. Can you give me a perception check? Yeah, of course. Both of us? Yeah, whoever's looking out the window. Um, ten after modifier. Five. You're both a bit caught off guard by the height from which you're looking out, and how close you are to the city. Looking across the city, you don't see really that much. Dwemer Hollow looks to be bustling. I think I'm more keen to uh, pop out the south window. So towards Dwemer Hollow? Yeah. So you're going to start dangling the rope out? Yeah, probably the best way to do it. The rope starts to pool about a foot down from the window. As though it hit a solid mm -hmm. surface? Mm -hmm. I'll taste, take some uh, steel ball bearings and drop them out the window. They pool where the rope is pooling. I'm going to tie the rope around my waist. Um, not a quarry. And then Jovan's going to let himself out the window, reaching out his foot to where the rope is pulled. You maybe get about a foot down before you blatantly smack into something that you can't see. And there's almost this sort of hum that you can hear in the air around you. And it's starting to get louder. There's some trickery afoot here. Do you have a good hold on the rope? Yes. Corey will Jovan's going to jump up and down. See if you can get a sense of what it is he's standing. As you try to stand up, you can't stand up fully. Imagine that you're basically crouching, like, right, like, a little bit outside the window. Do we have anything that we could use as paint or, or pitch or... Does... I reach out with my hand to either side. Do I, do I feel like a wall? Your hands or your mage hand? I don't think I have sensation through my mage hand, do I? I don't think so. You feel like there is something that you're pushing at. And, like, your fingers tingle. Your feet are tingling now as well. Anything that's touching whatever is blocking you is feels like it's being vibrated. And there's a hum. A low hum. It's getting louder. Corey, you hear that? Can I hear it? Give me a perception check. Oh, much better. That is 19. Yep, you can definitely hear it. You can even see a sort of distortion in the air around hmm. where Jovan is pressed against it. I do hear it, and now that you mention it, I see the air appears somewhat distorted wherever you seem to be touching something. Almost invisible, but not quite. If I try to mark it with chalk, does it leave a mark? Do you have chalk on you? Yeah, yeah, I do. Are you going to mark it while you're on it, or are you going to climb back in and then reach out and mark it? From where he's standing. Uh, he wouldn't climb back in quite yet. So from where you're crouching? Yeah. Sort of sitting? Cramped? <laughs> uh, yeah, you, mark, you go to mark it with chalk, and it's as if you're marking it, but you just see the dust from the chalk fall away. Pooling down at the bottom with everything else. Hmm. 
Could it be some kind of shield? The tower is not visible from the town, and yet... Well, no. We're definitely not that close to the town, so it has to be more than just a shield. Some sort of shield and illusion? Perhaps. I reach out with my mage hand. Can I put my mage hand through the barrier? The moment that your mage hand goes through the barrier, you lose connection to your mage hand as if you've sent it too far away from you. These are not a force field. Some sort of portal. Portal that we can't go through. Yovan climbs back inside. Could it be one way? You can, something could come in, but we can't go out. It could be, but I'm not sure how I'd test that. Hmm. I don't think there'll be any way to discover the other side of this from Dormer Hollow. It's close enough, but to pick a spot out of the sky when you can't see it. If there is a connection between this druid with the blue eyes and the parents and the missing children, I wonder if the children do go on the boat, or if perhaps... I mean, this is this appears so close to Dwemer Hollow and yet is so far away. It would be a, if this were a portal, be a convenient way to kidnap someone, for instance, uh, if they gonna... knew where the portal was. How would you fly a child into the sky to get here, unless there's more? Well, the I don't know. One last thing before I come inside. Uh, when I look back towards the tower, what do I see around the borders of the window? Can you give me a perception check? Can I bargain for an investigation check? But yes. Uh, uh, perception sh- sure. Check. Actually, sure. Wait, actually. I'll give yeah, it yeah. to you. Alright. Uh, Alright. Um, so that's going to be 17. You can see the stonework of the uh, tower. It looks mm-hmm. like the same stonework as the rest of the building. But right where it is meeting the tower, looking at it gives you a headache. Like, it's shifting, it's moving, it's bright but dim. Yovin's just going to blink and turn, revert his gaze. That's that. There's absolutely something strange going on here. And come back inside the tower. If it were a portal, would it have to open at the same height that it exits? I, uh, can't really say. We'd have to speak to a specialist for that sort of thing. I don't know mm-hmm. the capabilities of this sort of magic. I've seen all sorts, but I don't know what the limits are. I think of all my theories, this is probably one of the most far-fetched, so perhaps it is not worth looking into. Jovan will uh, go to the other window and just reach his arm out to, to see if it's the same. You are met with the same resistance, and where your hand touches, you can see the sort of, like, almost pulsing uh, distortion spreading from where your fingertips are touching it. When he reached out for the walls, did you feel walls on either side of him, or all all three sides? 
I'm imagining that he pushed out and he pushed down with his feet feeling out, and then he probably put his hands up. The space was small enough that he could feel out and feel pretty much that it was like a bubble attached to the side of this window. I just want to make sure it wasn't a tube. Um, He'll go down and... uh, uh, Melian um, and Faelov. I Investigated the scenery... The druid's room a little bit more. And there's something more than a bit magical going on. There's some sort of field or barrier just outside. And you can climb and stand on it just outside the window. I don't know if that means anything to you. Have you either encountered anything like that before? More druid trickery. Have I encountered anything like that before? Not that you can remember. It just sounds like magic stuff to me. Are you capable of seeing things other than ghosts that others can't? Um, I don't know. Yovan is just about to ask if she wants to jump out the window, um, but then <laughs> realizes that would absolutely get him skinned by Melian, mm-hmm. so uh, chooses to hold his tongue, and it's uh, Carl will be done soon, I think. I'll check for the entrances. Look at it. If you think you'll see anything. I mean, probably not, but you never know. Maybe it's a ghost barrier. Aye, it's a fair theory as any. Remember that both Faileth and Melian did look out these windows before. I'm going to do another uh, circuit of the building here. Maybe I can make sure there's nowhere else who's going to creep up on us. Okay. Do you suppose it's different from the last time we looked, Melian? I do not know, as I did not anticipate that there would be some sort of invisible shelf. I mean, me neither, but who knows? It'd be fun to walk on the air. If you do this, I insist you hold on to the rope, which I uh, presume Melian, Melian, I am Melian, which I presume Jovan has left. Okay. Alright. Uh, do we see anything different if we go back and look again? Uh, so you guys head upstairs. Uh, are you going to do this out the north window or the south window? Uh, which one did Jovan climb out or of? Or both. The southern window. Uh, then, because Melian requested it, I will go out the southern window where the rope is. Okay, give me a perception check. Heck Yeah! Man, my first roll was a nat 1, my second was a nat 20. When uh, Jovan was asking, he was thinking like supernatural senses, but apparently she's just more observant than the rest of us. <laughs> uh, for perception, that is a 21. Thank you very much. You, s- uh, you take a seat on the side of the window, your feet dangling down, touching against the barrier. You don't see it any more than anyone else does, Faileth. But as you're looking out over Dwemer Hollow, you do notice something that you've seen before. You see a tower. A tower that appears to go partway up and then jaggedly end. Only to begin again. Maybe 50 feet higher, on its slightly different angle. A place that seems fractured broken, mirror-like, 
Oh, hey, I can see that weird tower from here. Isn't that strange? Which weird tower is that, Faileth? The broken one that I saw in Dwemer Hollow. Hmm. The fractured tower, I think my dwarf friend said it was. Don't, I don't, uh, see it. Could you point in the direction? It's right there. Cast, does Quarry see it? There's nothing there. Hmm. Perhaps Yovan's onto something. I can't see anything at all, but apparently you can see it. Maybe because I saw it before? Hmm, perhaps. I don't know that it means anything, though, at least not for us. It's just, I guess, a cool thing. I don't see how it's going to help us find those children. No. I wonder what its significance is. Maybe Jovin knows. We should ask him. Oi! Jovan! Do I hear them from inside the room? I assume that they're yelling down to you guys, so you can hear the voice, their voice echoing, their voices echoing down from the tower. Can I? Okay. Hmm. Uh, Yovan's gonna climb up the inside. When I say you can hear their voices, as if their voices are echoing down the holes between, uh, like, the trap doors between each level of the gotcha. tower. Gotcha. Okay. Um... Not from the outside of the tower. From the outside of the towers. Do I see anything looking in the top windows from the ground? Oh, the entire tower is covered in ivy. You can barely even see it. He's going to go inside up through the normal way first. Hey, hey, what's up? Did you manage to... I see the fractal tower from here. Do you know more about that? You can see... you see it? Do you really? Where? I, I... Right there. I saw it in Dwemer Hollow, window. too. Yovan, you don't see anything. Is it... Is it the same way like you see ghosts? Is it some sort of... Spectral thing? A pound hole? Ghost of a tower? The ghost of a building? What is okay. it? It is... Uh, gonna be just a moment as I pull up the sheet that has everything I know about it. <laughs> you can give me a history check. Okay. For local legend. I saw it a while back. Hey, uh, unnatural 20. Dirty 20. Local legend states that many years ago, there was a powerful wizard that lived in this region. But something horrible happened. Something that put all of Dwemer Hollow in jeopardy. And it is said that his very best friend had to drive a dagger through his heart. And in that act, the tower that this wizard had so cherished was sundered, broken, fractured. It had reached for something that it was not meant to have. And so the tower was removed. But it still stays, still there, untouched, untouchable, outside, but always there. Jovan relays a story. If the tower had been 
some sort of magic had made it alive in a way and it died with him. It explained why perhaps it's only occasionally seen and never pinpointed. It's like a, a haunt in an old home. And why if it is a it. dead tower, then I guess that makes sense why I can see it, yeah. I thought it would be something like my own home, but this is something different. Oh, <laughs> your letter that asked you to hunt the undead. Did it specify what kind of undead? Uh, this is directed at Quarry. <laughs> well, I have to admit I've never encountered a dead or undead building, and I don't quite know what to make of it. I suppose this will sound extraordinarily stupid, but don't suppose Faileth could talk to it. Nothing happened. Yeah, that didn't work. I was going to say, if it yelled back, I was going to have some real problems. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be that I'm just too far away, but it's probably just that it's a tower and it doesn't talk. That is completely reasonable. There's one last thing I want to check before we seal ourselves in for the night. I'm going to attempt to crawl in from the outside of the tower. Um, keep an eye out for me. I'll... Be careful, Yovan. It's rather high. Um. So you're going to go to the outside of the tower? Can you please give me a perception check? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um. Sixteen, so fifteen. You recognize the ivy growing up around the tower. Oh. <laughs> Alright, let me just check to see if I have climbing gloves in with my kit and just see if I can just completely cover no, myself. You're, you're gonna get it, like, on your face or something, and then you're gonna <sighs> fall off the tower. Little fall never hurt anyone. Mm. <laughs> that is patently unfair. <laughs> <laughs> ah, alright. That's the thing. The second floor. Was the ivy growing in from anywhere? Or was it just entirely... You guys never investigated that. Now seems like an excellent time. Uh, you, you, haven't, you haven't checked that out to see if it breached through the walls at any point or where it was growing from. So based off the burn marks, uh, you do think that... And like you, you can see a sort of a crack in one of the walls. Where there's a little bit of it that is clearly burned and singed coming out. I'm talking like a crack. Are we talking like something I can fit my fingers through, or...? We're talking like the cement block underneath my deck that that plant has apparently drilled its way through, and it has a nice healthy stalk underneath the deck. But it also has, like, six to nine feet of flowers out on the other side. The ghost flowers. Uh, Yovin will return. That's, uh, mm, on closer inspection, it looks like that same ivy that was infesting the room is the same one infesting the outside as well. I don't suppose you, either of you, know of any 
way to inoculate yourself against the vine. Do I cast? No. Not that I'm aware of. He turns hopefully towards Melian. Oh, I'm breaking. You didn't ask me, but I don't either. We'll have to remain a mystery. I'm not interested in burning up what hours we have. Rooting through it again. Sorry to distract you all for with this. I hoped something might come of it, but just more more questions. Yovan heads downstairs. Quarry will start working on their healing potion. Faileth is bored and okay. is going to wander off unless somebody stops her. Quarry is too engrossed with what they're doing to have paid attention to uh, what Faileth's up to. And I had presumed that uh, earlier I was the one doing all the work for the herbs. So... I think Quarry uh, would probably have relieved you if you want to be setting up camp or babysitting Faileth. No. Uh, Melian's pretty wounded and uh, tired. So if you have taken over, he'll uh, curl up. <laughs> Just to your left. Be like, whoa. So how are you guys going to work uh, rests and watches for the rest of the night? Can I please have order? Quarry would like to take the first one to continue working on their healing potions into the night. And, uh, yeah, I think Melian will take second watch. Faileth will take whichever watch and someone is willing to give her? That's dangerous. Um, I suppose I'll take, uh, Yovan will take third. And, uh, are we setting up a trap for the druid, or are we just waiting for him to poke his head up through the trap door and going in like a -a whack-a-mole? What's the... Do we have a plan for when he arrives? If he arrives? I don't know. Where are you guys camping? I assume that Quarry is making healing potions down at the campfire that's down there. Utilizing the implements on hand. Is that wise? Can the campsite be seen from outside the building? Campfire be seen from outside the building? A little bit of the light definitely can. Would it be possible to to do that inside of the druid's room? smoke will definitely go up the tower if you do it. You have no idea if the smoke will be trapped in that room. It's your choice. If we hope to keep the element a surprise, there we might want to make sure the light can't be seen by anyone watching the building. Do you have mm-hmm. any way that we might hide it? Um, uh, we could perhaps gather some detritus from the forest and build a bit of a no shield of sorts around the fire. I hadn't really thought about it. Yeah, as long as it isn't able to go up itself. <laughs> as long as we keep it far enough away. I'll do that before we tuck in then, if we have the time. Before the sun sets. And... I'm sorry, I'm out of character. I'm... <laughs> I did not sleep great today. And I'm absolutely drawing a blank. Um... I feel like there is probably more preparation we could do into this, but I'm also very liable to overthink things if left to it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this in your guys' hands. Which probably means there won't be any other preparation. <laughs> yeah, I kinda think so. Alright. That's me then. Melian has curled up and gone to sleep. Yovan, what are you going to do while Quarry is making these potions? Um Are you going to curl up and go to sleep? He's going to uh make that shield if it's possible to do so 
and then uh, following that, before he nods off, he's gonna take some time and browse through the the book he found. Okay, can you give me a stealth check? Yeah. A dexterity stealth check to conceal your campsite. Hey, look at that. Uh, 14, 18. Noted. Oh, you have successfully built that shield. At least, and you've checked it from the outside. It looks like it's blocking it pretty well, and so long as you don't open either of the two doors, it's pretty good. Generally, most of the light won't be seen. What are you going to do now? Tuck in, read the book for maybe an hour or so, and then go to sleep. Faileth? Uh, as soon as no one is paying attention to her, Faileth is going to slip out of the tower. Oh no! Can you give me a stealth check, which will compare against people's passive perceptions, sure. because... I mean, you can't possibly be surprised, can you? Hmm, a little bit. They see me. <laughs> I can't believe I've rolled two nat 1s and a nat 20 today, and that's it. It's <laughs> madness. My roll uh... is broken. Faileth goes to slip out of the tower and Melian goes, Faileth, to bed. I just, I just want, ugh, fine. So I guess Faileth goes to bed. So now we will begin the night. Kawari, you are sitting over your mixture, slowly going through what you need to do to brew these potions saying a few healing prayers that you were taught at the Abbey. While this is going on, can you give me a perception check, but can you give it to me with disadvantage because you are preoccupied? Six? Over the low crackle of the uh, fire. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't hear or see much. You're very engrossed in what you're doing. And as time passes, you feel it getting a bit colder. Mm -hmm. You, looking up, you can see that there's a whitish tint in some spots. As frost crawls across things. Do I expect it to be this cold? It's been getting quite chilly. Okay, so for this time of year, this seems... Reasonable, even though we're near a fire? I'm talking... I'm not talking about, like, you seeing frost right at your fire. Okay. Okay, good. There's one moment where you see a small mouse skittering across the area. Mm Mm-hmm. And you can hear the hoot of an owl out in the distance. The bay of a wolf. But in total, your watch passes uneventfully. Okay. I feel super worried about this, given how low my roll was, but Quarry's not worried at all. At the end of your watch, you've done enough to prepare these healing potions as far as you can. Please give me a knowledge... uh, Give me a nature check. Uh, with advantage. That is a nat 20. Which is a 21. 
you have successfully created uh, three potions of healing. Excellent. Now, I had six doses of healing potion herbs, so does that mean I have three doses of the herbs and three healing potions now? Yes. Wonderful. That you'll settle into the rest of your mm-hmm. night. Are you going to wake Melian up for his watch? Oh, absolutely. And Quarry will hand over the uh, probably two of the healing potions to Melian and uh, tuck one into Jovan's bag. Meaning I have three healing potions now. Did we buy healing potions at one point? Because I feel like at, maybe at the end of last session I wrote these healing potions on my character sheet, but I shouldn't have. You may... No, you did not buy. You had a chance to buy them oh, right, and where I'm too poor. Uh, Gwyneth offered them, uh, but you said that you didn't have enough coinage. So you must have written those down last okay, session. I have erased them now. Um, David, did you write down one for Yovan? Um, I did not, but I will. So, Melian, you have been awoken. What are you going to do for your watch? Uh, I'm going to sharpen my greatsword. Quietly, but... I'm doing weapon maintenance. Shing! I'm doing weapon maintenance. Shing! You don't have to make long strokes. It can just be a... Can you give me Faleth told me it was soothing. (laughs) <laughs> That's so cute. Can you give me a perception check? Oh yeah, I forgot Melian was bad at these. Uh, ooh, a 16. You notice that you can see your breath in the air. It's quite cold. You're grateful for the fire. And you keep it well stocked as the evening continues. And your watch passes by. You notice a few small animals, non-insectified, a few mice, maybe a rat or two, drawn towards the flame. You can see their little eyes glinting at the edge. You see one or two uh, scamper over to near your companion's bags. Are you going to do anything? Uh, yeah, I'll get out. As soon as I start seeing little creatures, I'll gather a bunch of little stones, then I'll be hucking them at the at the little, at the little animals as they head towards bags. So your first stone lands, and they deter. They, they break off, run. You see one of them legitimately scampering over Faleth to run away. And the rest of your watch passes uneventfully. Uh, who am I waking up now? It's was it Faleth or Yo. Um The plan was me, but Does okay. Melian remember? I mean that's but... a really good question. Because I heard it and I couldn't remember. And Melian's intelligence is eight, so I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a roll and see. Uh, just for my own amusement. Uh, oh yeah, Million totally remembers. Uh, and he goes and wakes you up. 
Is there any news? Uh, there are a few rodents about, but I have gathered some small stones near that stump I sat on. Otherwise, nothing. Got some sleep. I have a feeling we'll be back at the stump tomorrow morning. Yovan, what are you going to do for your watch? Uh, he'll take a moment to just quietly lurk outside, make sure that everything's as he remembers, and that uh, they're still hidden from casual viewing. Give me a perception check with advantage. Really glad I had advantage. Um, 17 minus 160. Looking out in the distance, you can see a little bit small patches of moonlight that break through the trees and a bit of a mist in the distance. And you think you see what almost looks like a torch bobbing a bit in the distance. I remember the stories, I think, of lights leading people off the path. Yovan will hesitate, but go back inside. Can you give me a flat d20 as you come back inside? A two. So, as you come back inside, uh, you see a whole bunch of small little rodents. A lot of them. He's going to uh, use his mage hand to shake Melian awake, and he's going to start uh, kicking and then trying to shoo the rodents away. The moment that you wake, that you shake Melian awake and you kick one, you see them all sort of look at you at the same time, and then they scamper out. Uh, friend Jovan. Melian, you wake up with what feels like maybe a few nips and scratches and as a like a couple rodents maybe bound over you scattering those rodents aren't normal they can't be that bold not in this not in a forest like that Would you mind uh, helping me build a, a small barricade or something, perhaps? How do you normally keep the rats away in a place like this? I pee in a circle around the campsite. Perfect. Um, he often takes it at face value. That seems like a I mean, that's countryside thing to do. Absolutely barbaric thing you can do. Perfect. <laughs> We are in luck. I drank lots of from my water skin before I went to sleep. <laughs> I'll have to remember that. Next time I'm caught in the woods and being assaulted by rodents. Uh, God, I hate this place. Sorry for waking you. Uh, no, it's fine. And then he rolls over and goes back to sleep. <laughs> Yovan will just sit and if there's a place where you can stare out into the woods, you will. You stare out to the into the woods. 
you see what looks a bit closer. That same light that you thought you saw. But it doesn't get closer. It sort of bobs, it moves. And then it winks out of existence. It begins to lightly snow. Just a few small flakes. And your watch draws to a close. He'll, uh, he'll wake Faileth up. But, um, he's likely not going to go all the way back to sleep after she already tried to sneak off once. Even if it means he's going to be a little bit bleary in the morning. Spoil sport. Where are you planning to go anyways? This godforsaken place. Just wanted to look around. You know, see the sights, call a ghost, see more sights. How long have you ever gone without speaking to them? Um, this is probably the first time ever that I haven't been able to just call them up and chat if, I'm, if I want to, or that at least mum's around. But she's gone, and these ghosts don't like me, and... I keep thinking that if she's doesn't want me to talk to them, that maybe I should. But then on the other hand, maybe she's right and they do want to kill me. But if they don't and they have some important things to tell me that she doesn't want me to know because she doesn't want me to know anything. And I don't take this, this opportunity, then she'll come back and I'll never get to know. And my letter did say if I went with you, I'd learn some things. And while we've learned, I guess, some things, I haven't learned anything I've wanted to know. You know? Has your mother often gone this long? Ah, sometimes. When she's cheesed at me, or... I suppose when she's off doing her own thing, but... Don't ask me what she gets up to, I have no idea. She doesn't tell me anything. keep thinking it's strange that... The homes, there are ghosts at none of them. No spirits lingering. And here in the woods, the same. You right, think be... it's weird. But it wasn't. It wasn't even that there were no ghosts. It was that they were all angry. And I met angry ghosts before, but usually most ghosts are pretty benign. But every single ghost here that I called was angry. Like something terrible had happened to them. And I know terrible things happen all the time, but for the most part, people just die of normal stuff. Even being torn apart by those weird spider wolf things, I don't think it would leave me angry. No, I mean... There's tragic deaths, and there's, you know, deaths that are too soon, but those leave sad ghosts, confused ghosts, melancholy ghosts, pissed off ghosts, but not malevolent ones, not ones that want to hurt everything, that want to hurt me. They usually do not want to hurt me, even the ones that want to hurt other people. They're just so happy to have someone to talk to. So I'm not going to lie, that was a right fright for me. 
How would you protect yourself against them if they tried to hurt you? Well, that's the thing. I don't know. I've never had to do it before. I've never tried to hurt a ghost. I've never had to. I admit I'm full of questions too, and I think the dead in this forest have so much to tell. But I've come pretty close to passing more than once in the past few days. I... There's some things left to do. I mean, I don't particularly mind if I die now, but I'd rather not. It'd do something awful to Melian, I think. If you were to pass yeah. under his care. He'd have a hard time with that. He does not understand about death. He can't speak Which to Which is very past. ironic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'd think of all the people to understand about death, but he does not. Well, he knows the one side. Just not the other. Maybe that's why you two are such a good pair. Um, whatever you say, Jovan. Can I trust you then? At least keep the exploring till the rest of us are awake. Yeah, I promise. Keep an eye out. And you will pass out. Alright. So, Faileth, what are you going to do for the rest of your watch? I'll be good. I'll watch for bad druids. So, Fela, is there anything specific that you'd like to do for the rest of your... Um, no, I'm just going to stare out and be cranky. Uh, can you give me a perception check with advantage? The first one was a four. That second one was a six plus one. So that's seven. The rest of your watch passes rather uneventfully. The first rays of the sun start to breach over the horizon. You can see the, the sky as it begins to change color. Poor is going to be upset if they slept too late. Are you going to wake your companions? Mm-hmm. Okay. What order are you going to wake your companions in? I feel like I've probably noticed that Quarry likes to get up with the sun, so I'll get her first. I'll get Melian last, because he doesn't like to wake up. Thank you. Okay. Quarry, mm-hmm. I'm going to start you off much earlier in the night, when you first fell asleep. As you fall into a deep sleep, images flicker past you. A familiar cliff the place of tragedy from which your life was forced to start anew. Your hands moving through Orena's soft hair, gathering it into thick cords and binding it into braids. The howl of the wind through the Trolltoberk and the sheltering warmth of the flames. A flash, the taste of blood, a scream, a fanged maw, and red eyes glinting in the firelight then darkness. Strange auras of color swirl across your vision, as shapes reminiscent of leaves and branches etched in black and white draw into focus. You seem to move gently, slowly, 
reaching out an appendage to wrap around the next branch and lift your form. Beneath you, a note of motion. It causes you to freeze, to push back into the tree behind you, blending into the barest hint of color and shadow. A block of darkness. It pushes out from the trees, around it a bluish haze surrounding it, and it pauses. The block of darkness is a figure. It reaches down, touching and inspecting an impression on the ground and broken twigs, this bluish haze following its head as it surveys. First the ground, then the trees, looking for other signs of intrusion. Only when its eyes gaze past your hiding place do you see where its eyes should be, two orbs of piercing blue light leaking that bluish haze into the surroundings. All other features inscrutable, unknowable, darkened, a shadow of the internal magic that all beings should have. You are in danger, my Foscarico. A cold voice cuts. As a being even darker, devoid of any light, yet physical in form, materializes a nothingness in the shape of a man. You feel the air go cold, so cold. It threatens to freeze you to this tree, despite the acid burning through your veins. My king, you are in danger. Do not return to your abode. Those who come to meddle in the affairs of Jared draw near. They intrigue me. I will warn Jared. We will prepare to apprehend them, my king. No. Do not warn Jared. It will amuse me to see how he handles himself in this situation of surprise. He can fail for all I care. His and the merchant's uses are almost spent, as are the cults. But your use, my Foscarico, your uses are still many. I require something from each of them. I wish to watch them closely. Bring what I wish for, and I will bestow upon you more of my... We are being watched. The darkness that can only be called the thing's face looks towards you. The acid in your veins threatening to freeze solid. You begin to unfurl, pulling deeper into the tree. Your tentacle outstretches to grasp the next branch, to fling yourself away. You grasp it. You grasp around it. You fling yourself towards the canopy of the next tree. And it goes so cold. Oh, so very cold. The ground crashes towards you as you smash into the base of a tree and begin to curl, wrapping around the spark of heat inside you, begging it to not go out. Pesky creature, when this world is my hell, 
I will cover it in snow and ice so cold that you're kind. And even those children of Gellis will freeze under my reign. So cold. Everything. It's cold. You awaken, Quarry. Colder than you have ever felt in your entire life. Faileth. Quarry's lips are blue. It's... Faileth, are, are you alright? Yes? It's so cold as Quarry looks around to see if the fire is still lit. It's not that cold. Are you alright? No, I had a very... Vivid, very disturbing dream. One that I think perhaps I should... Well, I don't know. I feel as if I should share it with all of you. It's... But it may just be nonsense. I mean, we should probably warm you up first, then you can tell us what you want to tell us. Yes, I think you're right. Uh... Quarry will look around and notice that it is um, the sunrise, and we'll say, well, I will recite the lumen by the fire. Okay. Quarry, just, uh, if you need us. Thank you for waking me, Faileth. You're welcome. Quarry will sit kind of pensively by the fire and, um, say their morning prayers to Sol and be looking for not expecting any kind of sign but trying to decide whether or not they should tell everybody about the dream. Does Faileth wake everybody else up? Yes, I do. But I'll be a little more careful waking Melian up because I know he does not like it. Uh, do we get the benefits of a long rest? I think it's the real question. <sighs> Five more minutes. Okay. Just so you know, Quarry is, like, frozen or something because of a dream. Move her closer to the fire. Oh yeah, we're doing that. But it's, you know, weird because a dream made her freeze. So... But you just you just do That's your thing. That's not we'll possible, Faileth. Except that is exactly what happened. You did not hear her. That is what she said. That is what they said. So... And, uh, sorry, frozen by a dream? Yeah. Their lips are all blue and stuff, and they were talking about how they maybe should tell us, but it would all be just nonsense, and they were very concerned because they're, like, actually physically frozen because of this dream, so you should probably, like, they're doing the lumen right now, so you can totally sleep through that, but then you might want to talk to them. I should not be the one to do it. How would you know their lips are blue? She's a they're a Goliath. They're always blue. Yeah, but they're much bluer than usual. You know what? No, it's fine. You sleep through the lumen. I wake you up when it's time to go. It's all good. (sighs) Good night, Melly. When Quarry's done, they probably look around at their companions to see who is up still me. Hello. Hello, Faileth. Shall we make some breakfast, or do you think we should... Well, I don't know. Are you okay? I don't 
No, the dream was so real and it made too much sense. Do you know what I mean? Um It wasn't enough silliness yeah. in it. You know what? I I do because I had one of those dreams. You remember with about the dust? Yes, the night the night before last. Do you think it's something about these woods? Perhaps. What was your dream about? Well, I've been seeing this arboreal octopus. I've seen it twice. Excuse me, the what now? Uh, uh, An octopus that lives in the trees. That's a real thing? Well, it is in the north. I've never seen them this far south. That's cool. Indeed. They can be dangerous, and they are usually very reclusive, so it is strange for me to have seen one twice, and in this forest. But... Both times it seemed to be helping me. And... And this was not in the dream. This is... This has happened before now. But in the dream, I think I was the octopus. I had... Wait, what? Well, I know this sounds silly, but it was as if I were seeing through the eyes of an arboreal octopus. Oh, that's not that weird. I've had much stranger dreams. (laughs) But the, the important thing is, in the dream, what the octopus was seeing was the druid. The, the one with the blue eyes and uh, oh. Fos Caracol, I think, is what he was called. And he he met this strange, faceless, I, I don't know, darkness. And, huh. and the darkness uh, was his master. And he, he knows where we are. He told Foss Caracol not to come back because we would pose a danger to him, to the druid. And and the druid offered to go and warn the bandits. But the master said no. He wanted to see what we would do and how the bandits would handle us. And he says something like the bandits and the merchants that are working with them are almost spent. And he said the cult is almost spent. I don't know what any of this means, but what concerns me is that if it's real, if it's true, he can see us and is interested in us and knows what we're doing. And he said he wanted to bring hell to this earth and that it everything would be cold and, and everything would die. That doesn't sound good. It doesn't at all. And I, I don't su- it could just be a dream, but it could be. It could be a dream. But it doesn't Maybe. sound like it, does it? Well, I'd like to dismiss it, but at the end the, the the faceless dark uh, master he he saw the octopus and he tried to freeze it and the octopus tried to flee and and I don't think was successful it was 
trying its best to survive the cold, and then, and then you woke me up, and I was so cold. And if it were only a dream, that shouldn't be possible. It shouldn't. And I mean, it's chilly, but it's not that cold. No, now that I've been sitting by the fire, I don't see how I could possibly have been as cold as I was when you woke me. It's weird. It's concerning. I... I don't know much about dreams. At least not the real kind. Nor do I. I don't think anything like this has ever happened to me. If the dream is right, the bandits won't be expecting us, but it sounds like we have perhaps more to worry about than we were aware of. Yeah, sure sounds like it. If he's tied to the weapons and to the disappearing children, and he wants to bring a cold and frozen hell to this earth, this may be more serious than we even thought, and and I did think it was quite serious already. Yeah, that's... None of that sounds good, honestly. It all sounds pretty shite. Yes. If it's true, we must do everything we can to stop it, or life as we know it will not continue. Yeah. Should we... Go back. Should like should we not go after the bandits and just go and try to like kill everyone in Dwemer Hollow or something? <laughs> uh, I think we should. That's Melian talking, not me. <laughs> That's more of a Melian thing, really. I I I'm not sure. I think that we should continue on to rescue Marsh because if. The weapons and the disappearing children are important to this whatever it is, this monstrosity that wants to change the world as we know it. Then doing what we can to thwart its plan while we try to figure out a more direct means of attacking it is perhaps the best we can do. Right. I suppose that makes sense, in a way. I wish I knew more about the history of this area. Why here? Who? What is this thing? And, and why is it chosen here? I have no idea. Perhaps, perhaps Yovan will know, or... Perhaps when we return to Dormer Hollow, we can see what we can learn about local history, legends. Uh, I mean, if anyone would know, it'd be Yovan, right? He does know a lot. We're very fortunate to have him with us. And I am very grateful to have you and Melian as well. So, we should wake them up, huh? Yes, yes, I think so. Don't worry, I'll do Melian. He's the crankiest. Thank you, Valen. And Quarry? Yes? We'll figure it out, alright? It'll be okay. 
Thank you, Fela. I I think it will. And even if it's not, dying's not so bad. No. No. It isn't necessarily, but to consider the end of all life or who knows what this creature has planned, the living torment of who knows how many people. That does admittedly sound a lot worse than dying. But we will do what we can, and I have faith in us and in soul. Sure. <laughs> I'll wake up, Yovan. Yovan is uh, restless, but uh, wakes up quickly when you shake him. Is he here? Did he? Is he? Oh, sun's up. Right. He's not come, and I don't think he will be coming. Back to the stump, then. Back to the stump. I want... I want to tell you and Mullion about a strange dream that I had. Oh, like uh, Freelith and her dust. Yes, but... There's something about it that that has me more worried than I would otherwise be. I trust your judgment, Corey. Always have. Let's get Melian up. And, uh, we'll hear about the stream. Yes. Yes, thank you. You guys browse Melian, and now your whole group is awake? Uh, I've already told Faileth, but I had a very unsettling dream. And while I would like to discount it, something that happened when I woke up uh, leads me to think that this may be unwise. And I'll, uh, for the sake of the listeners, just say I recount everything to you as I recounted it to Faleth. Uh, Jovan listens pretty intently, especially when you mention the description of the master. And after you're done, he says, uh, Faileth, did the frog spirit, like, was guarding the little girl who failed. Yeah. How did you describe the, the specter that took her, the child? Oh. They were sort of the opposite of magic, like the absence of it, and that they were nothingness, that... They were, no, they were, yeah, like they weren't there. It couldn't see anything, not even a magical trace. Yes, yes, that sounds, that sounds like what I saw. We thought that it was some kind of undead under the control of some necromancer, but what if it was the man behind it all himself? Yes, that seems strange, but perhaps. You know, when they, uh... When you hear the stories about all of those terrible threats, commanders and necromancers come down the world, normally they have the, the dirty work done by lieutenants and minions, but I suppose the world doesn't always match up with the stories. No, I suppose not. Hmm. And he said that he knew where you were. 
yes, knew that we were doing. Watching us. He's interested we are in his house. What we do. Perhaps perhaps he sees quite a lot, but perhaps it could just be the guards that went back told him. And uh, as Phelan says, we are in the house of the druid. Mm, and maybe ways to see in. So, we should make full haste to kill these bandits, and then go forth to the city to put an end to this druid's wretched magics. Aye. Aye, we, we've dawdled too long. I suppose the sticks were higher than we knew. We need to find the center of the ritual and stop it. Yes. Let's find our way back to the stump. That ain't stumped. On the way back to the stump, Quarry will be keeping a um, hopeful but not overly optimistic eye out for the octopus. Can you give me a perception check with advantage? And uh, who is leading the way back to the stump? That's an 18 on the perception check. I mean, I'm pretty confident that it's not me, so... Hopefully it's not Yovan. If Yovan's leading anyone anywhere in the forest, they're all buggered. Quarry could. They're a little bit... Um, like, nobody else will do it, Quarry will, but they're reluctant, giving, given their last tracking experience. Uh, well, I mean, we, we know what angle we approach the house from, right? We just go away from that angle? Quarry thinks the forest moves, so... Ah, well, Melian does not believe in that kind of nonsense. Yes. So I will I will lead us back to the stump. Can you give me a survival check? Not if I press the survival button. I have to press the number. Uh, a 17. Excellent. So it takes some time, but your party does appear to be on the correct path. A short while into your walk... Quarry, looking around, mm -hmm. you see some trees that do look familiar. Hmm. A clearing that seems familiar. Like from the dream familiar? Quite possibly. This area looks very familiar. It's so similar to what I saw in my dream. Melian, can, can you see if there's been traffic through here? Uh, I can certainly try. Well, Melian does that, can I try to find the direction that I think the octopus went in to see if I can find it? You just, do you want to just do some circles around, looking at bases of trees around here? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Melian will mention, sort of, will sidle up to Yovan and say, uh, do you think the rodents were possessed by the druid they were used to spy on us it doesn't sound like the druid knew until he was told if we are trusting our dream, their dream but perhaps possessed by the master himself or at least reported back to him We are back on track now. Alright. Alright, let's do this. 
a chill wind rushes through this clearing as you begin to look about. And you do notice on the lightly snow-covered ground of this clearing that there appear to be two sets of footprints. One set of footprints comes to the center of the clearing and stops. Looks disturbed as if maybe a cloak had brushed the snow here. Another set of footprints, you see a single set. They don't start somewhere else. They don't end somewhere else. As if someone was standing in one spot and only one spot. The other set of footprints, looking about at the snow and the disturbances of the tree, of the leaves, you see small little furrows in the snow. As if those made by lots of small animals. Quarry, as you circle, you circle and search, and just as you are about to give up, you see what you think looks like a small rock. And as you reach down to touch it, it changes color a little bit. Oh. There's a very, very cold arboreal octopus that appears to have wrapped it in on itself and around itself. Oh. Uh, my poor little friend, I... What do I... I, I take my bedroll out of my... Um, my pack. So I'm worried about the acid, uh, which probably, honestly, would just eat through the bedroll. But it's better than just touching it with my bare hands. Um, and I'll kind of try to scoop it up in the blanket and hold it close to myself to share some of my warmth. It feels really cold. Almost frozen. Well, when we get you to the stump, just hang on. We'll, we'll light a little fire, and we'll have you right as rain before you know it. Just You just hang in there. Um, and then I'll rush back to my friends and say, it seems there's more evidence that my dream was not a dream. I found this little fellow at the base of a tree exactly as I... Well, as the dream ended... It's very, very cold. I don't... If we can light him a fire when we get to the stump, perhaps we'll be able to return some warmth to him. Look at his wee little tentacles. Fail, if you can't uh, uh, create any kind of heat, can you? Oh, sure. I can make fire. Perhaps, uh... Hmm... Maybe even if we just lit a lantern and we, we held it near him as we walked, some some small amount of heat, I'm sure, would help. Yeah, if you want me to, I will. I would be very grateful, Faileth. I, uh, make some fire for him. 
Melian looks very perplexed because this calls into question a lot of the things, a lot of the fundamental assumptions he had about how dreams work. <laughs> if if dreams are real events that happened, I don't think it's all dreams. I think it's something about this forest. Our octopi known for speaking through dreams. I'm not familiar with these creatures. Where I am from, to see one is considered a very good omen, but they are very reclusive and they don't uh, don't generally bond with anyone. Uh, I don't think I have ever heard of an octopus appearing in anyone's... Well, they, they, they would appear in dreams as, as omens of, of something good not in this manner, not not what you can see through the eyes and the dream is real. You said that they're rare. How likely is it that you would stumble into a clearing that looks familiar and find a wounded octopi at just this place? Entirely improbable. I have never seen an arboreal octopus this far south. I don't know what it's doing here. So it's true, then. What you saw was... true. So it would seem, and it makes me... more curious about Faileth's dream. As we... she and I discussed this morning, there was something about the quality of her dream and mine that seemed... more real than it should have been. If it were just a dream. I... But I don't know what the dust could mean. If it were snow, that would be perhaps easier, but I don't know about dust. Oh, this is bigger than us. How oh, who could we even tell who would believe us? I don't know. I I was thinking that perhaps... Well, I'm wondering why this faceless... magic... less creature thing has chosen this part of the world to start their plot. If this area has some significance, so perhaps someone with a knowledge of local history, legend, something could help. Maybe not with the dream, but with a, a greater understanding of what may be at play here. If it was anything, it would be the... Well, there's rumors of things beneath the city. From dating back to the Altharians or older. And, uh... I suppose I... Not right to keep secrets with... There was talk about a book of Eltharian rituals. Yes, I think the um, appraiser mentioned it. There's not many out there. Very few. I... Maybe... Possibly just one. They're... Rare. 
so rare as to not be talked about. I may have held the same book that this ritual was contained in in my hands just a few years a year ago and it was gained through illegal means and passed on through illegal means to a man who would very much like to see me dead. So you know who has it? No. No, I don't know his name, but I I know some things. I notes. Hmm. But if there was something that would draw them to here, to Duomo Hollow, it would be the Eltherans. Hmm. Yes, perhaps... A better understanding of what truly does lie beneath the city would be beneficial to us. The auctioneer spoke of being able to find the center. If we could find the pieces from all the locations that had been marked. He he said they were a map of sorts. If we could collect them all. Yes. When we return to the city, it means that we'll need to speak to those that I've had the children stolen, and we will need to put out feelers for other sites, like the one that me and Melian found in the alleyway, where children without parents may have been taken. Yes, of course. This seems a, an excellent plan. And we can, once we have returned Marsh home and uh, talked to Lord Buchanan, perhaps set him to assist with the other part of the problem which is the bandits and the anti-royalty sentiment that also somehow seems to play into this plan though for the life of me I can't think how could simply need bloodshed for the ritual and that's the best way he can think to cause it It's a terrible thought, but I fear that makes far too much sense. I hope. Well, it seems very likely that you may be right. And all of this, I end up being stumped by a lousy piece of wood and a shitty riddle that even bandits could figure out. And with that, you guys arrive at the stump. Kawari, ignoring the stump, immediately sets about building a little fire for their octopus friend. And, uh, As... Faileth will warm up a bedroll for him. Aww. You can use prestidigitation to warm it. Thank you. Uh, Malian is like, what are we doing with this octopus. We're saving him. Yes, but once he is saved, then what? I suppose we allow him to go on his way in the forest, but 
It is through his eyes that I was able to see. You mentioned that the maidens that you stumbled into, we described them as having an octopus on them. No? No? I don't recall that, no. Am I going crazy? I refer to their little light friend as Stephen. Oh. I must have misremembered. The light we were following. Wait, those lights were... Faleth has no recollection of the light having a name. Absolutely none. The lights in the forest belong to the maidens? Simply the one, at least. I saw one during my watch out in the forest. I assumed that it was a trick to lead me away. Oh. Just another hazard of the forest. The... The forests... I hesitate to call them maidens. However, the forest women did indeed indicate that their lights were usually used to lead away the unworthy. But they found us worthy of contact. (laughs) Perhaps the had wanted us to ah I may have made an error Mm. somehow I find that doubtful friend Jovan well back to the task at hand Quarry is gently rubbing the little tentacles between the blanket It is the arboreal octopus does seem to be slowly gaining a bit of heat. Oh good. We're doing well, Faleth. I think we might save it yet. Hooray! Right. So we've gone two ways. One we picked the middle of the dates indicated. Follow that number in order to the cave to find the remains of the apprentice. The next time we came back and used the dates indicated to draw a shape on the log which made a crude arrow. And we followed the arrow and it led us to the druids. I was confident that the that it was dates it spoke of but not confident of anything regarding this anymore yeah whatever we did last time we know that one's not right so far it has been me and Melian that were Attempting this. Perhaps a pair of fresher minds. Corey and Faleth. You want me to solve that? Well, I did have some small theories, but I fear they paled in comparison to uh, the more complicated discussion of uh, yourself and Melian. I think we'll find in the end that it was something very simple. After all, it was thought that with nothing more than the rhyme, any of the bandits would be able to find their way to the camp. 
It can't I want to reiterate out of character that Melian has an intelligence of eight. <laughs> oh, I Melian know. was helping anyone should be able to help. Well, right. the uh, rhyme and the first is the High King's misplaced trust, which we know is Liana, the fifth of the gods. The second is the Storm Song, which is. Uh, Do you wish me to read the rhyme again? Uh, sure. Yes? With High King's misplaced trust begin, march unto the beat of Storm's song, then retrace the hearth's embrace. And mark the middle to Two-Faced's Wraith. Wait, Wrath? Every time I am puzzled by this writing, I must take another look. Oh, it is further through my memory than I expected. <laughs> it is Wraith. It is Wraith. I think the key is somehow the middle. Owen is six. The sixth among the gods. What if all of the rest of it is just... Distraction? Perhaps we are meant to... Uh, divide the six in half and... And follow the three. Sure, why not? is as good an answer as any. The only other way that I could see this is that it is a set of of directions that you you start with five and then you go to the next number and then the next number and then the next number but there's no nothing to say how far in any direction you should travel. Yeah. Uh, aye, that was the, the first path of reasoning we took that each corresponded to a number that follower on the clock till we found our way and clearly it is not it is it seems too straightforward to just take the last line and disregard the rest but perhaps I don't know the one thing that leads me to believe there is something to all of it was that the the bandit was not supposed to write all of it. I uh, write this down. He was using it as an aid for himself, not for others. If the Why? answer were so simple, he would have no need to write it. And he would only record the final line. Yes, yes, that's... Well said, Jovan. Aye. I wish... I wish that I'd found no fault, and that we'd found our way instead. One thing that I will note is the first time you guys did this, you based it off the months, and the numbers that corresponded to those months. Perhaps instead of the months, it could be... Simply the holy number. The holy numbers of the gods themselves. Hi. What if... I absolutely wrote those down somewhere. I 
Allie absolutely wrote those down. What if we start with the High King's misplaced trust? We start heading in the direction of five, and we march um, a, a number of minutes, a number of paces. Too easy uh, to get lost. Bandits pace. are not smart in the forest. Mm, and paces are not accurate. But around the clock, perhaps we were not so far off as we had thought. Five, the first time, then... didn't we treat it as a math problem? Uh, kind of, yeah. Well, we started. Well, we had whatever the number first was, and then we added whatever the second number was, and then and we then subtracted, subtracted whatever... the third number, and then marked half of whatever the result was to fit. So, all right, walk me through this again, just as a uh, not as my character, but as a human being. <laughs> Hiking <laughs> is Yoen, right? Thus, we decided. Uh, yep, but the misplaced trust is Liliana. Is Liliana. Right, so that's 6 minus 5, which is 1. Then retrace the... Or, sorry, 6 plus 5 is 11. Then retrace the Hearthstone Brace. Hearthstone Brace is uh, Heme, right? Yes, which is 7. I'll, I'll clarify one thing. High King's misplaced trust is, is Liana. Liana. Right, so 5. Uh, Beat of Stormsong. Oh, I, gotta, uh, I gotta open this. Now I gotta open the calendar again. Uh, it wasn't the calendar. We're going by the by the numbers. Yeah, but I remember who is who by based on the numbers. So <laughs> oh, Heme by is the, the calendar. Yeah, so Heme <laughs> is the Hearthspire, right? So uh, the Stormsong is uh, a Doom. He's number two. So this would be... Wait, I did this already and found out that we got the same answer, didn't I? So five plus... No, no, two plus... Sorry, no, this is right. Five plus two is seven. Then take the seven away for Heme. That's zero, and then mark the middle of the two-face wraith. Uh, if we're thinking Yowen is the two-face wraith, that's still three. Have we tried three yet? We have not. I think we went to eleven and two. Uh, we've only gone two directions, haven't we? Yeah, we've only gone two directions. I do not remember what those two directions were. It was eleven and two. So I looked okay. at the picture. I looked at the picture in the in the thing. So we definitely went to two last, and we mm. went to eleven the first time. Right. Okay. Eleven sounds right. Yeah. Because there's a difference between ten and twelve. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Perhaps we try three. Well, if we're thinking of a clock, seven minus seven isn't zero. Wouldn't that be twelve? Noon? And the difference between noon and... Six is three? It's three. It's three. Unless it's nine. But it's... <laughs> it is as good a place as any to start, but we must make haste. How's my octopus doing? Some of his tentacles have started to move. Okay. Your octopus. Don't name him now. Oh, we're not, not keeping him? I'm not looking at the baby names online. But he's so cute! <laughs> uh, two tentacles come up. One goes up to Quarry's face and sort of like gently touches a, the che oh. their cheek. And the mm. other gently like touches Faileth's hand. There's a small little chirping sound. <gasps> I love him! So do I. It's the only not-dead pet I've ever had! He is quite adorable. And a heroic little octopus. 
Yofu really was about to say, we don't know that for sure. <laughs> Too soon to say. <laughs> Do we think he's dead? Uh, might be a little bit too soon to say. Him. Don't get attached. I mean, he... if he does die, I get to still keep him. I'll just take his corpse with me. I'll turn it into jerky. I... Uh. Don't you remember what it did to the... Where we saw where the logs were liquefied it? I can't imagine that it would be... At the very sure. best indigestion. And I'm not gonna probably... eat it! I'm gonna take it with me so I can keep its ghost. Cause it's cute. But, you know, only if it dies. Quarry will uh, bundle up the octopus, um, put out the fire, and whisper to Faileth about whether or not they can prestidigitate the blanket to be warm periodically. I definitely, definitely keep up with that. Excellent. If Faileth will keep up with that, the octopus will continue to improve... As you begin to leave the, as you leave the clearing and head in the direction of number three, as you are heading in this direction, you seem to note, almost as if the trees pull away, a very clear path in front of you, hmm. like the original path that you traveled, in the waystone, towards the tree with the candles. Ah. This seems promising, but one cannot tell in this forest. Yeah, who knows? As you continue, are you guys going to do anything? As you continue to follow this path, how are you following it? Are you just following it? Are you stealthily moving through? Are you looking for tracks and signs? Oh no, Melian is in a hurry to get this over with, so he's just going to march towards the bandit camp. With purpose, like, uh, screw these guys. I, I need to kill them and we can go back to the city. That's where our real concerns are. Uh, didn't we talk about a more stealthy... I mean, unless you stop him. Melian is just like... <sighs> Wait, Melian, uh... If this is the right direction, we should discuss the plan. I was under the impression the plan was to murder... Sorry, not murder. Do battle with all the bandits and ensure they pay the full price for their crimes. But, uh, we risk having Marsh killed in the... in the battle, and, uh... Ah, yes. I shall assume the disguise of Seth. Excellent. That will be... And... Uh, I don't remember. Were we going to pose as your prisoners, or... Uh, no. Seth was far too weak to have uh, uh, captured son. Let me try that again. <laughs> Seth was far <laughs> too weak to have captured prisoners such as you. So I thought I would enter and uh, find Marsh and attempt to free him uh, or send, or make a, some sort of signal to, and then we will murder all the bandits. Sorry, not murder. Make them pay the full price of their crimes. I suspect there will be a lot of improvising that needs to be done once we get this plan underway. But it, 
Um, I suspect when Corey that they said, will... Oh, Sorry, I was going to say, when Corey says the word improvise, uh, Melian's eyes narrow, and he's like, hmm. No plan ever goes as planned. Ain't at the truth. As you continue walking in this direction, you can see the base of the Dwemer Mount getting closer. What appears to be a large cliff above the forest coming into view, rising. The path veers a bit, and you can see that there's a small stretch of woodland, and then what appears to be a large clearing at the base of the cliff. On the far side of this clearing, jutting from the rising stone, are two large monoliths <gasps> that appear carved with swirls yes. and symbols. What might appear to be a small, dark aperture is between them. You note a single torch staked next to it, it's shedding possible illumination down what might be a natural cave mouth or carved steps. A short way out from this opening, you see a small makeshift camp, an outpost of sorts, around a fire. You see a tent and three men, or maybe men, one facing towards your facing towards you and two with their backs to you sitting around the fire with heavy overcoats talking in a low, hushed whisper. What will you guys do? Not gonna lie, I kind of expected it to be bigger. The central hub of a huge bandit network and it's a, a few tents and a campfire. Yeah, I feel a bit anticlimactic. Perhaps I will approach as Seth, identify where Marsh is, and then I will just start killing them, and you can come and help me. I will Perhaps defend Marsh with my life. You create a distraction, we could check under the backs of the tents and see... Could the distraction can... be me killing them? Uh... That's always a really good distraction, just seeing. I do think that that would get their attention, but we don't know how many there are, and if it's... Perhaps if we could find out whichever one of them is their leader, and find out a little bit more about the man who hired them. More about what they're doing here. If you are posing as Seth, you can talk to them and perhaps draw out some information of what their plans are, whether there are more in the forest that uh, would need to be dealt with, and, and so on. Um, Melian looks at Corey uh, as much in the face as he can, given that she's seven foot and he's five eleven, and he puts his reaches up, puts his hand on her shoulder, and says, "I appreciate the faith you put in me, Paladin, but I am not a spy." I understand. I will try. If it comes Melian. down to it, we will come to your aid. Um, he 
takes his bat, his greatsword, and hands it sort of reverently to uh, Yovan. Um, I cannot carry this if I am to be disguised as uh, Seth. So, please take care of it. Yovan nods and looks at the sword with just a hint of concern. <laughs> <laughs> and then he pulls a cloak out of his bag and shakes it out and puts it on. Uh, and then looks at Faileth and says, listen to the paladin. And then starts to traipse forward and you can see his shape sort of reduces down to the size of Seth's, as I assume, Seth's shape. Shall we go and peek under the tents? Whatever you see, boss! Is it just how he walks? Or... Like, it doesn't look like he's hunched over. He's not! Does seem a great deal shorter. Yeah, he's Seth now. Well, he, he didn't... I can't get a good look at his face, but like the way that he... Did he collapse his knees? No, he's Seth now. Yes, yes, is it? Is that something half elves perhaps, can do? Jovan, perhaps we can ponder this later. I think That's that right, we have right, uh, sorry. pressing... I'm not very... And uh, Corey looks kind of embarrassed. Not very good at uh, being quiet. Perhaps. Oh, I'm so good at being quiet. <laughs> I'm the I am best at being quiet. Not the best candidate to take the, uh, the forefront of this investigative action. You can't even hear me sometimes because I'm so quiet. It's like I'm not even around. I'm so stealthy. So while this conversation is going on, mm -hmm. <laughs> Melian or Seth, uh, you are approaching. Uh, you you come out from the woods uh, to the edge of the clearing. Uh, are you just gonna like? Are you just walking up towards them? Are you gonna no? So as I get to them? the, I was gonna say as I get to the edge of the forest, I'm gonna start to like boost up to a, a light jog and then um, once I'm and then it's like breaking with sprint as I break the tree line and be like ah, 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 I was, oh. and as I see the bandit camp like slow down oh, oh, oh. Oh. the other bandits the other bandits have died we were attacked by a, a weird skull faced uh, bear insect thing the three bandits have stood up uh, two of them have their crossbows pointed at you and one of them starts to say something and then pauses and goes Seth right uh, yeah I was posted at Marsha's house with um with uh uh, uh Askel and um and his brother, and and they sent us they they sent us back to report. And on the way, the, there were three of us, and we were we were attacked by the by the by the the skull thing, and it, and it it got both of them. And and I ran, and I've been running since last night. Oh my god! The oh by the gods! You you have to help me. Can you give me a deception check? Oh boy, can I? Uh, Cass, can I get advantage? Yes, go right ahead. That was a great speech. Oh, that's good, because I rolled a 12 to start with, and now I got a 20. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll take I'll take the 20. Uh, it was a dirty 20, so 17 plus my 3. Awesome. Okay. The 
bandit looks at you, and the other two sort of they visibly relax, and he he, ush, he, he ushers you close, and he's like, "Oh, we've been seeing a lot more stag bears lately that have been messed up and other weird shit in these forests. Uh, if this wasn't just the perfect place to hide, uh, we wouldn't be anywhere near here. Uh, come." Warm yourself by the fire. I'll, I'll send a runner down to uh, let Jared know that you're back with news. Oh, good. Thanks. Uh, and he, he turns to one of the other two and uh, sends one of them down. So, what happened at Marsh's? Uh, some, some adventurers showed up and they, uh, they attacked the place. Um, I, I think I, I think they were looking for Marsh, but um, uh, they, they they aren't around anymore to tell us, I guess. So, um, but uh, we wanted Jared to know as, as quickly as possible. So, um, they they sent us to report. Uh, the brothers did. Oh, wow. Well, I'm glad that you guys were able to handle it. Jared will probably be very, very happy. Uh, yeah, there were there were a couple a couple guys died, um, but uh, but yeah, we took them out. Um, but I, I, we wanted to know that, that, that at least the, the city seemed to be getting suspicious. <laughs> Fat lot that's going to do them. Uh, it's going to be soon. Jared keeps saying it's going to be soon. Hasn't Jared been saying it's going to be soon for a while? We got word. Apparently the High Magistrate. He's on his deathbed. Oh. The Queen or one of her daughters is going to come this way. And then it's going to spring. Everything is falling into place. Well, that, that seems pretty good. Now, do you know what's going to happen to Old Man Marsh? Oh, it seems like Jared and... <laughs> Like creep. They've been spending a lot of time with him lately, but I've heard some screams. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm kind of new. Who's the creep? Edelbaran, the cloaked freak that Jared keeps close to him all the time. The one that sent the powder your way for the dragon spores. Oh, right. I mean, I knew it's a good about the thing dragon's you haven't board. met him, but I'm sure that he'll want to speak to you too. Get a good uh, talk. Find out exactly what kind of capabilities those adventurers you dealt with were. See, because maybe, uh, maybe others will follow in their place soon. Yeah, that's 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 what the brothers thought. That's why they sent us. So while Melian is having this conversation, what are you guys doing? I was trying to convince them to let me, like, go by myself. Hori's kind of thinking, like, I'll keep a lookout, and uh, Jovan, perhaps if you and Faileth together, if you run into any trouble, just shout out and I will... Okay. So... We need to see if Marsh is in that tent. So as you see Melian Are we able to actually hear talking. what Melian's saying? Because I don't like things. 
You can't hear what Melian is saying. Okay. Uh, he's about... The, the group of them is about 60 feet from you guys. Okay. Or 60 feet from the edge of the tree line. I should say that. You do see, though, uh, the... They, them, two of them pull uh, crossbows and point them at Melian until the other one sort of motions for them and calms them down. And then you see one of the three goes in between the two monoliths and down. And there's only one tent up here. Uh, so in an effort to sort of uh, make this believable and give them a sign, uh, Melian's going to uh, what I'm going to do is, uh, you know, warm up my front at the fire, then do that thing that you do when you're wearing a cloak where you turn away and, like, lift his cloak so the fire can warm up his butt. And then while he's got that cloak sort of up, he's going to give a, a, like, a hand signal subtly out towards where he thinks his friends might be, which is the number three, and then, like, the, a gesture down and at least two. So, like, a three, three here down two and then wriggle the two back and forth to be like unsure alright I'm assuming if uh, you and Corey have a shared military background those would be hand signs that you would have both seen before used yes. or unseen seems reasonable sure. yeah reasonable can we see from where we are if the front of the tent is open or closed it is closed right so I've seen you make illusions. Yeah? Oh yeah, I've got quite a few of those. I reckon... Hmm. I reckon if we can get circle around the clearing here and get it behind that tent, I can probably lift up the back of the tent from the tree line, depending on how they're going to peg down. So we might be able to take a look inside without Ooh, being right. seen by the rest. But maybe you can make it look so I'm not left... Hmm. Nah, that wouldn't work, wouldn't it? Because that would lock us as well. Yeah, I don't know if that's how it works exactly. I could make... I mean, I'd say I could make a distraction, but I think Melian's already the distraction, right? Dang. Well, in that case... Don't we well, circle hold around? on, hold on. Give me a sec here. You know what? I think I can, actually. Alright. Alright. I think if someone were to come by and look and see you, I could make them think that they don't. With, say, some sort of phantasmal force, perhaps. Oh, that would do. That would do. Hmm. Alright, so let's circle around, and while I'm doing the thing, maybe you can uh, conjure a tree around us or something real subtle-like. Sure, I can do that. So I'm going to start with a minor illusion. I can do a small thing with minor illusion. Just kind of obscure our area. I'll make like a little little rock. And then if someone comes by, I will hit them with phantasmal force to make them believe they don't see us. And we're going to cycle around to the other side of the clearing, so we're behind the tent. And I'm going to use uh, Mage Hand with the extended range to attempt to lift up the back of the tent. Can I have a 
Can I have stealth checks from both of you for as you're moving around the edge of the clearing? Sure. And are you guys moving, like, at the very edge of the clearing, or are you a bit farther back from it? A little farther back. There's no need to get right up close. And can you describe sort of how you're moving, determining if I'm giving you advantage or not? So mostly um, trying to stay behind uh, tree trunks at all where possible. Um, staying low to the ground. Um, keeping an eye towards the camp and trying to move mostly when they're looking the other way or seem to be like more involved in discussion. I feel like Faileth just has sort of almost instinctive knowledge of how to make herself small and silent and unnoticed by uh, by things that might want to hurt her. And I'll be using uh, Mage Hand as I go to clear out any twigs or anything from under where I'd be stepping. Excellent. You both can have advantage. Hey. Alright. My first was a... F- 15. Ah, the second was a dirty 20. Uh, 15 on the roll, so 19 for me. Excellent. You guys both are able to move around the edge. You don't step on any twigs. You don't seem to draw any attention to yourselves. And Faileth makes a minor illusion of a little rock that you guys hide behind. Well, I should be able to hide inside. Or that you hide inside. Since you're inside the illusion, um, think Faileth will automatically recognize it as an illusion, uh, but Yovan, uh, can you make a... I think it's an intelligence saving throw to disbelieve the illusion? An intelligence investigation check, but you have advantage because you know it's going to happen. Uh, first one's a 20. I'm pretty sure it's not. It's, it's not. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, that should be uh, Faileth's DC. <laughs> yep. Oh, definitely, yeah. Oh, this is a nifty little trick. You'll have to show me how to do this sometime. I had a friend once that could do this. But oh, yeah? It wasn't the type to teach. I mean, I'm not, I I could try to teach you. Mostly I just do stuff. Oh, I think you'll find I'm a quick learner. And this would be a handy trick to have. Anyway. Uh, oh, I keep getting off track today. We finally got here, and my mind's anywhere but where it needs to be. Right, the tent. Let's see exactly how well they've nailed this down. Uh, Jovan's going to try to lift up the back of the tent. You lift it up a bit, and it looks like it that there's just some uh, bed... Like, the, there's a bedroll in there, probably for whoever is sleeping, like, in shifts. But no marsh. There's no one in there. It looks like our target isn't here. Probably down where the other two bandits are. Right. Same thing again? Well, I can't lift up the entrance down there, so... Let's get back to Quarry. Let her know. There's a couple okay. of tents, right? Or is there's it just, just the one? No, there's but, just one. Oh. Yeah, like, it was... Surprisingly tiny, um, which makes me believe we're going to get underground and it's going to be a huge, expensive network down there, which is going to make things much more <laughs> difficult. That does seem likely. So Would I do that to you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's get back to Corey and let her know. And then we have to figure out how a lot of us are going to sneak down that hole without being seen. 
and uh Yep. Melian, can I have a perception check from you? Sure. By thirteen. You didn't notice uh Faileth and Jovan sneak out of the forest? Um you didn't notice a rock appear? <laughs> um, <laughs> you're really intent on keeping this cover. Mm-hmm. And your conversation continues for a little bit, and this is about the time that uh, Faileth and Jovan have gotten back to Quare. At about that point, uh, you see the same guy that had gone down comes up, uh, comes over, uh, whispers something to the guy that you were talking to, and the guy looks at you and says... Head on down. Uh, Jared's apparently busy at the moment, so just head on down, grab something in the mess, relax a bit. He'll find you when he's ready for a debrief. <laughs> well, shit. Uh, okay. <laughs> Why did not pursue this? Uh, yeah, Melian will go the direction that he saw the other guy come from, and then try and figure out where the mess is. As you approach the stones, Melian, carved with swirls and archaic symbols, you feel a prickling sensation travel up your spine. You have not been here before, but it is recognizable. A feeling of almost deja vu, yet different, assaults your senses. The carvings are different, but the meaning is the same. No only tranquil peace those who rest amidst the sleep of ages. Your aged master reads the inscription as he passes between the two menhirs rising from the side of the hillock. You turn, looking back at the forest behind you. A veritable sea of pink and white blossoms dotted sparsely with evergreen pines. I have not brought you here before, but... You are approaching manhood, boy, and the time that you will be given your final test before you enter the circle fast approaches. It is time for me to teach you, not just of practical knowledge, but of the importance of our traditions and why we stand vigil. Down, down, down into the gaping maw of the earth you travel. No light provided, only darkness greeted you till you heard your master's footsteps stop. A few tentative steps, and you felt the end of the stairs cut into the stone, stepping down onto a large, cold stone floor. You wait to hear your master's footsteps once more. Boy. What is the purpose of the dolmen? Your master's voice asks from the dark. A single room tomb, similar to a cairn but composed of slab stones, master. You almost roll your eyes in the dark at the question. And what is a cave, a cavern, if not nature's? Your master's voice rings out, softer, much farther away than you thought he was. Boy, you stand at the heart of a sacred place, 
You stand within the bowels of the earth, amidst the bones of our order, amidst the guardians of the blossoming land. He paused, his voice even farther from you than before, as you tentatively stepped blindly into the darkness to follow him. Can you see them? As the question rolled into the darkness, a slow light began to form. Tiny motes, like pinpricks of stars in the sky, began to swirl in the air around you, illuminating the room before you. A simple chamber, but stacked against its walls were bones, niches cut into the stone to contain them. In others, piles of bones, some clearly animal, others humanoid. Do you feel them? As the lights swirled, illuminating the room in a soft glow like the embers of a fire, a feeling of warmth, of comfort, and of tranquility fell over you. What do they say? Spurred on in wonder and amazement, you strain your ears. No sound save your own breathing. Anxiety begins to mount within you, rising up. What if you can't do it? What if you can't hear them? Are you unworthy? Are you not ready? And as despair begins to gnaw at your core, a single mote of light detaches from the rest. It glows softly, with a pale fuchsia radiance as it drifts towards you, and you feel tranquility once more. Your mind calms, the very world feeling as if it were melting away, till it was only you and that single mote of light. And then the moat was two, and their voices echoed. The voices, the animals' calls, the sounds of the ancestors, the sound of history itself. And you understood not their words, but their meaning. There is harmony resonating throughout all creation that holds the passage of seasons and the very stars in the sky. Before creation, there was nothing. But that nothing was cleaved in two, and in that act nothing became something. Every piece of creation contains a duality. Each singular thing is in fact many. Before there were elves or humans or even the forest, there was still duality. And in each thing, the explicit capacity of duality is an implicit act of unity. It is this, the interaction of duality and unity, that drives creation, that drives existence. It is this that drives all things, and this stems from the beginning, resounding. You utter, understanding the spirit's concept. You have passed your test, boy. No, you are no longer a boy. You are no longer my apprentice. You are worthy to be initiated. You have done well. As the memory fades, rippling like water up upon which a stone is cast. The feeling of heat on your skin sears you. Flames concealed in the darkness burn you, smoke choking your lungs as the sound of timber snapping, the screams of animals, the wails of a woman, so familiar, yet not known, and the march of boots. Melian, you slam back into the present, a few steps down into the dark, into the cavern into the mouth of this cave, a back into your life. 
and you feel the telltale feeling of your body attempting to shift, to change its form. And that is where we will end tonight's session. Thank you for listening to Roll With Adventure, where we bring you this story from our imagination to your ears. If you liked what you heard, please rate us on Apple Podcast and visit us at www.rollwithadventure.com. Our intro and outro music is Brave by Arcane Anthems. Thanks for the components of this episode's soundscapes. Go to zapsplat.com, Arcane Anthems, and Purple Planet Music. Full credits are in the episode description. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Bye! Faileth will take every watch, just so it all goes utterly wrong. It was, yes. Um, yes. Oh, Cass, you sound a lot different. <laughs> sorry, today. sorry. Dramatically. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> David was correct. <laughs>